This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. How many of you have ever played the game, uh, Don't Step on a Crack? Remember that? As a kid, you're walking down a path, if it's a path with stones or it's a path with concrete that has the lines, and it's like you have to be careful how you walk, right? Right? You have to be careful. Because what happens if you step on a crack, you will who? Break your mom's back. Why is it your mom? Why is it your dad? But just how it is, eh? Don't step on a crack, you break your mom's back. It's a fun game to play. I used to enjoy doing that all the time, uh, playing that game, being careful how to, you know, step, jump on walls, do all sorts of crazy stuff like that. Don't step on the crack, you break your mom's back. Now, that game, you know, take it a next level up. Imagine walking through a place where you really had to watch where you stepped. Because if you had the wrong step, it could mean your life. A couple of years ago, we were visiting Israel, and we went down to visit a place on the Jordan River. And so we went to the Jordan River, and the Jordan River is the border between Israel and the country of Jordan. And on the way down, because of the wars that had happened between those two countries, as we were traveling down towards the Jordan, we were on this road, and on either side of us were all these warning signs, warning signs to stay on the road. Why? Because they were minefields. Those places were places where you really had to be careful where you stepped because there were mines out there. Now, I don't know about you, but can you imagine? I mean, let's just take it as a step forward. Don't step on a crack, break your mouth's back's fun. But can you imagine being in a situation where you found yourself in a minefield? Where you found yourself walking and realizing that wherever you stepped, you better be careful because it may be the last step you take in your life because wrong step, click, boom. Now, I don't know about you. I have to tell you that these are times in which I feel like you have to have that same sense of caution, that same sense of uh, care and awareness, particularly in certain circumstances, when it comes to things that you say. We live in a, a culture right now where everyone is on edge. Everyone is charged being offended or being uh, aware of things that you say. And I'm not talking about the obvious stuff, right? I'm not talking about the things that are definitely blatantly obvious when it comes to being offensive, when it comes to making people angry. I I'm talking about this feeling of everyday conversation, you cannot engage in everyday conversation where you relax and talk. You always have to run through this filter of saying, am I saying something that's going to be offensive, that's going to all of a sudden, boom, explosion. Someone's going to lose their mind. Someone is going to, to, to get upset. Someone's going to be offended. It seems to me that we live in a culture these days where, where we are walking around really being afraid to speak because we don't want to say the wrong thing. That might be the landmine issue that may blow up in our face and cause us all sorts of grief, whether it be at work, whether it be in life, whether it be in relationships. It's like walking through a landmine field. Now, I've been thinking about this, and, you know, we can talk about the political situation, and we can talk about our culture, and we can talk about all sorts of things. But I think a big part of the problem points to a truth that relates to every single one of us. Why is it that, that we live in this situation? Why is it that so many people are offended by what's said by another? Well, the truth is, is because we 
are terrible at talking to strangers. We don't do well communicating with people who are different than ourselves. When someone who is different, has a different worldview, says something that we think they mean what we think they mean, all of a sudden it offends us. We are terrible at talking with strangers as human beings. You know, I think about the customs of the world, and I think about some of the things that people do. Let me give you an example of how this might work. I was always told it's rude to burp at the table. How many of you taught that? Hopefully you were. Your mother told you that. Don't burp at the table and don't make a mess of your food, right? That's what I was taught. It's offensive to do that. Well, if I was to dine with some folks from China, guess what they're taught? It's not rude to burp at the table. In fact, it's good manners to burp at the table at the end of a meal and really to make a mess because that communicates to the person making the meal, that was so good, right? Now, we find our situations, what happens is if you go and you're not aware of this and you go and dine with some folks from China, what happens? Well, they're eating and all of a sudden they do what they do and you're like, ugh, that was rude. That was ridiculous. And we get perhaps, oh, those people are terrible. Their people are da-da-da-da. Why? Because we are terrible at talking to strangers. We don't do so well with talking to people who are not in our tribe. And particularly in our climate today, we don't realize that even though we live in one United States, there are many tribes and many points of view that are out there that we're all talking and sometimes we're saying things that one person considers offensive and another person doesn't mean what we think it means and, and all of a sudden we're into situations that are explosive, screaming and shouting at each other. You know, the sad truth is, is that even in the church we're not good at talking to strangers. I will never, ever, ever forget this. We were visiting the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's the place in which uh, has been built this church, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, at the place that I would think, you know, I agree, people, scholars argue back and forth, but I believe is the place in which Jesus was crucified, the site of, of which the cross was placed, and the tomb, the place in which he was resurrected from the dead. And so they built this church over this place, and in the course of history, what's happened is that different denominations within the church have taken up bits of turf within it. So the Armenian church has got this section, and the, and the Orthodox church has got this section, and the Catholic church has got this section, and each section is, is run by and, and looked after by a part of the, the church. And of course, there's always jockeying for the holier sites, there's always jockeying for the, they want to get to the real close to the, to the places that were really, you know, where things happened. But in that whole setup, what you discover is that even though they're all Christians, they don't talk nicely. They don't, uh, they don't share unity. Classic example is this picture. I've shown this before. There's, there's this ladder. No one knows who put the ladder there, but this is the ladder that's at the front door of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's been there for hundreds of years. No one will move it. Do you know why? Because they're all afraid of stepping in a landmine. 
They're all afraid of, of causing war. Yes, literally there have been fisticuffs between priests at the Church of Holy Sepulchre over what's perceived as violations of, of, of space, of things said. Why is this happening? Well, it points to exactly what I'm saying. We are terrible at talking to strangers, even, quote-unquote, strangers within the family of God. We're quick to be offended. We're, we're quick to, to believe that what someone is saying to us is, is of negative origin. We're quick to be upset and assume bad motives. Now, Jesus never intended for the church to be like this. In fact, what you see with Jesus right from the beginning is that he was one who brought all people from different backgrounds together, strangers if you'd like, to be one in following him. Uh, take for example, you read through the list of the 12 apostles and you read the name Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot, the Zealots were a, basically a liberation, we would call them a, a terrorist organization, depending on which side of the equation you were sitting. But the Zealots were individuals that said, look, we're tired of Roman occupation. We will use whatever means, violence if we need, in order to push them out. They were radical nationalists who were willing to, to kill people in order to, to, to free themselves, be freed from Roman occupation. Simon the Zealot. But within the 12, you got Simon the Zealot, and then you got this guy called Matthew. What was Matthew? Can anyone tell me? Tax collector. What did tax collectors do? Tax collectors were Jews who worked for who? The Romans. They worked for the occupying power. Tax collectors were hated because they were not only seen as individuals who were, who were looking to fund the occupiers, but they were also individuals who were seen to be traitors to their nation. And Jesus brings together Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector, and he brings them into one. Can you imagine the landmine conversations around the fire between these two guys who have to live together for three years following Jesus? Can you imagine the difficulties? Can you imagine the tensions? Obviously not recorded for us in Scripture, but I'm sure knowing how human beings are, we can say, whoa, that's a volatile situation. But guess what? What we see is that Matthew, the tax collector, and Simon, the zealot, are brought together as one. Strangers, if you'd like, both Jews, yes, but strangers, if you'd like, are brought together as one. Why? How? Through their mutual love of Jesus. And by submitting to Jesus, they learn to submit to one another. By submitting to Jesus, they learn how to talk to strangers in a way that brought unity in a way that brought them into a brotherhood. You know, Jesus told us as, Jesus, as, as his followers, gave the commission, the great commission to, to his followers. He said, go into all the world, right? Go into the world and make disciples, make Jesus followers, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you, and I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, that first line, he said, go to all peoples. The literal word for that is nations, which means Jesus has mandated us as his followers to engage with people who are different than ourselves. He's called us to talk to strangers. And if we cannot get over the hump of learning how to communicate to strangers, learning how to 
bring the message of life to someone who is different than ourselves, we will fail to be obedient to the gospel mandate. We will fail to be obedient to what Jesus has called us to do as the church. If we cannot learn to talk to strangers, then we cannot be obedient to what Jesus asked us to do as Christians, to make disciples of all peoples, all nations, strangers. Now, we find this message contained in the teaching of James. We've been working through the letter that James wrote to Jesus' followers. He's writing to the members of the church, and he is giving them bits of wisdom uh, and hear the word of God through the spirit through James is being communicated to these folks on how they're to live for Christ in the world and and one of the passage one of the, the bits of information is an information regarding talking to strangers I'm going to be reading from the NIV and I'd ask that you would follow along listen as as one voice as we go through this together but listen to what what James has to say regarding how we're to learn as a community of faith on how we learn to talk to strangers. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, whenever you see the word righteousness in Scripture, you know, just translated living right for God, that, that's a good way for, I, I do that. And so he's saying, if you are motivated by human anger, anger motivated by your own needs, by your own offenses, by your own desires, it does not produce the life that God has called you to live, living right for Him. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So let's take a moment to understand what James is saying. Now, guess what? Verse 19 comes off to which verse? Verse what? Verse 18. Yeah, you guys are sharp today. Must have had coffee, right? And what's he talking about in verse 18? Well, if you go back, you see verse 18. He is talking about how we are the product, as Jesus follows, we're the product of God's word. We are saved by a message, the message that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, the message that says we can be made right with God through faith in Jesus who died on the cross and rose again from the dead. And that produces a transformed life. That produces a life that, that is no longer in the pattern, that we, the way we used to live, but in a new way. And part of that new way, he goes into then in verse 19, part of that new way is done in the way we talk, in the way we communicate with others. If you want to measure how God is, is working in your life, Evaluate how you talk. Now, he's going to go into this further later on in this, in this letter and talk about the tongue. And he says, if you can control the tongue, then you are one who's living right with God. But in this, he says, how you speak, how you communicate, how you interact with others is a measure on how God is working your life, is a measure of the, the production that's happening regarding the Spirit in you. And what does he say? Well, in order to be able to start to talk to others, it begins with what? Listening. Every one of you needs to be what to listen? Quick to listen. First, be a listener. Slow to speak. 
and slow to become angry, slow to take offense. What does that say? Well, that tells me that in the conversations with talking to strangers, they may say things that are offensive to me. In the conversations with, with folks from, from a different perspective in life, they may say things that I don't understand and may be actually offended. They may burp after I feed them a meal because they're from China and that's their thing. Or they may use language or words that, that trigger me and all of a sudden, because they're politically motivated, I think they mean this, but he says, be slow to be angry. Don't assume the negative. Listen, pay attention. Put aside tribalism and being open to hearing the other. Now, how does this happen? Well, according to the text, he says it begins by getting rid of all moral filth, all sin, all, base, all things that, that are selfish in nature, and put that off and put on, be implanted with the Word of God. Be exposed to God's Word, and you would have to assume on a regular daily basis. Do activity that lets you see the heart of God and allows God to work within you. Why do we study Scripture? We don't study Scripture so we can be scholars. We study Scripture so that we can know God. And we can open our lives to Him and to His views. We can attune our ears to his, listen to His Word so that our perspectives on life will change and become in line with His. We may learn about God so that we may learn about ourselves and we can live in a manner that pleases Him. I'm gonna, let, me, let me say it this way. If we are going to be able to talk to strangers in a way that gives us opportunity to share our faith, we have to understand it begins by, and I use this phrase quite often, those of you that hang around me a little bit, it begins by an attitude of openness. You know, I believe there are two kinds of people. They're open people and they're closed people. You know what I'm talking about, right? Closed people believe they're right and won't hear anything else. Closed people are more about communicating what they believe and not really caring about you. Closed people assume the worst. Closed people have all the answers even before you've asked the questions. Closed people aren't willing to be flexible and to, ask, and, and to see that there perhaps is a different point of view. Close people who are in the church believe that preaching the gospel is a matter of just speaking it out no matter how it comes out and shoving it down your throat and that will somehow convince you to become a Christian. On the other hand, open people draw you in. Open people are inviting. Open folks are willing to, are not, are not passive, but in fact are active in communicating care and love for the individual that provides the bridge by which real communication will occur. And how, do people, how are people transformed by the gospel message? They're transformed through this connection. And when they're open to receive what you have to tell them as God has assigned you, then the gospel message comes alive and they hear it and they believe it and they make their commitment to be a Jesus follower as you are a Jesus follower. James says, in order to be an open person, you have to be first open to God. Openness to God creates openness to others. See that? See the connection? Our tendency is to be closed. Our tendency is to be tribal. Our tendency is not to talk well to strangers. 
If we're going to overcome that, first of all, it comes by daily being open to God. Open to God through prayer, through study of the Word, through participation in service. By putting away all moral filth, by putting away those things that, that are self-centered, that are, in dis, are not in line with what God wants in our life, by putting away these things, we open ourselves to God. And when we open ourselves to God, we are then able to be open to others. Why? Because our perspective on others changes from our assumptions to a perspective that God provides on them. Here's, here's the words to live by regarding this. Listen to understand. Ever heard that phrase? Do you know the full phrase? It says something like, listen to understand, not reply. How many of us, when we are quote-unquote listening, what are we doing? We're reloading, right? We're putting more bullets in our argument gun so that we can fire them as soon as we, we get an opportunity when the person we're talking to stops or breathes or looks up or does something that gives us that opportunity. Well, in order to, to, to listen to understand, it's a totally different skill. Listen to understand. Be a person that is open. Openness to God leads to openness to others. And when we listen to understand, not reply, it provides us opportunity for us to share the truth of the gospel to share the truth of the gospel. There's a quote that I, that I came across that I think is really powerful in this regarding listening. A man named Carl Menninger said this. He said, listening is a magnetic and strange thing, a creative force. The friends who listen to us are the ones we move toward. When we are listened to, it creates us, makes us unfold and expand. I think, I think we all know and have experienced this at least once in our life where we feel genuinely listened to and what happens. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's not an act of weakness. It draws us in to the conversation with the person. It like unfolds us and expands us so that we're able to really deal with the issues of the heart, the issues of truth. Listening to understand is the first step in being able to share with another person, a stranger, whom we are called to reach as the church. It's calling us to, to, to have first step in being able to share with them the truth of the gospel. But we need to work at it. We need to understand that openness to God creates openness to others. We need to stop with the tendency for tribalism and and to be offended by people that are different. Because that's a, a roadblock to what God has called us to do as, as the church, as people of faith. Talk to strangers in a way that they might hear us, understand us, feel open with us, so that we might touch on the things that are life-giving, things of the heart. came across a quote by a woman named Elizabeth Elliot. How many are familiar with Elizabeth Elliot? She's a longtime uh, author, uh, missionary. And she says this. She said she was talking to a friend of hers who uh, is a missionary to Africa. And the friend said this. Things were simple before I went to Africa. 
I knew what the African's problem was, and I knew the answer. Open or closed? That's a closed, right? Things were simple before I talked to my African-American na neighbor. I knew what the African-American neighbor's problem was, and I had the answer. Things were simple when I talked to my Republican friend. I knew what the Republican's problem was, and I knew the answer. Things were simple when I, when I knew, when I, when I talked to my Democrat friend. I knew what the Democrat's problem was, and I had the answer. Things were simple when I, when I talked to that person that looks completely different than me, is a younger person, is a, is a person from a different part of town, is a different part of, of the nation, is a neighbor that, that seems to be living in a lifestyle that is totally different than the lifestyle I know God calls me to be. Things were simple before I went to that neighbor because I knew that neighbor's problem was and I knew the answer. But the quote continues. When I got there and began to know him, that is the African in person, as a person, things were no longer simple. When I got there and began to know him as a person, things were no longer simple. Openness to God leads to openness to others. And we're called to talk to strangers as a church. We're called to be individuals that are open to others regardless of who they are, where they come, because that's the mandate of Jesus. But it requires us living out the Scripture daily, living out the Scripture where we are not closed, but seeking to be open, listening to understand, not reply. Sharing the gospel is not a debate to win. The gospel message is one to share, not to shove, I read someone say. Yet how many times do we feel like we have to shove it? The gospel is not a debate to win. The gospel is a message of life to share, to share with strangers. And we're not so great at sharing with strangers. We need help. But God provides the help by calling us to be a community of faith where we learn to be open to Him, and in that we learn to be open to others. Are you open or are you closed? Are you open or are you closed? Do you listen to understand so that you may have opportunity to share? The discipleship process, the process of reproducing Christianity in the lives of others that we as Jesus followers are all called to do is built on developing the skill. Listen to understand. Be open. Open to God. Open to others. That's the challenge of our time. That's the challenge of these days. But that's what we're called to do. Are you open or are you closed? On the night before he was betrayed, Jesus uh, gathered his followers around him, 12 men, different backgrounds. Can't tell you how diverse that group was. But we know that there were two individuals that were on polo sides of the political spectrum, Simon the Zealot, Matthew the tax collector. 
Yet he gathered them around to partake in a simple meal, gathered them around to partake in a simple uh, ceremony, if you'd like, something that would communicate a message. If you have your communion cups, those of you online, grab your, grab your stuff uh, and ready to go with us. But if you want to grab the bread and be ready with that, know that Jesus initiated communion, the Last Supper, on the night before he was betrayed, before he was to complete the work that God had called him to do. And he gathered them around and he reminded them of the meaning of what would bring salvation. My body broken, my blood shed. And later on in the church, we were, taught, we were taught through scriptures that partaking in communion is an act of oneness, an act of unity. It's a reminder of all the things that, that, that unite us. Jesus on the cross, resurrected from the dead, salvation, one Lord, one, one, one God, one baptism, one Holy Spirit. But the oneness has to be reminded because we are as diverse as, as they come. Our calling is diversity. We are strangers who are called to be a family. And so as we take communion, I want, I want you to think about a number of things. First of all, I want you to think about, as we take the bread, how grateful you are to be called into the family of God. But also, I want you to think about what Paul says when he gives instruction to the Corinthians in Corinthians chapter 11 regarding uh, taking communion. One of the things he re reiterates is when you take you proclaim the Lord's death when he comes. There's a message you're communicating when you take. It's a message that's personal, but it's also a message that's communal. You're communicating that you have, believe what God has done brings salvation to you, but also will bring salvation to all peoples, including strangers you have a difficult time talking to. And it's up to you and to me, as God has given to us, to be open so that we might share it. Let's take the bread together. The juice represents his shed blood. And in the same way, the shed blood uh, reminds us that of Jesus' death, but obviously beyond the death, his resurrection. We have a message of life. We're to proclaim this every time we take it as one, but also to look to say we're proclaiming it to others that God brings into our life that we're called to disciple who may be strangers. As you take the cup, I want you to not only just to give thanks to God, but I also want you to thank, ask God for an awareness of who you need to be open to so that you might share the truth of this good news message. Lord, I thank you for this time we can share. I pray you speak to us. I ask that you would forgive me for the times that I'm closed, when I'm closed to people who are different than me, when I make assumptions about about things regarding them, that I'm not open to them, to listen, to understand, Lord, I, I pray that you would help all of us to learn this skill, particularly in these days where, where emotions are high and, 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 and things feel like you're walking through this minefield of being worried about what you say to who you say it and how you say it. I pray that you would just help us to, to assume this attitude of being quick to listen, 
slow to speak and slow to become angry, of people who are getting rid of the moral filth and sin that's so prevalent and, and, and wages against us, and to, and to see the Word of God planted in our lives that will open us and make us people who are open to you and then subsequently people who are open to others so that we might talk to the strangers you bring into our life and we might be able to share with them the love that you've shared with us, the message of hope that brings salvation. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So glad you're with us. If you have a prayer need, please uh, don't hesitate to let us know by filling out one of the cards. Those of you online, you can follow up, email us, uh, fill out the online response card. Uh, if you'd like to talk to us regarding next steps in your journey of faith, uh, don't hesitate to uh, talk to one of our staff folks out there in the foyer. I'll be coming out there. Uh, Rick Anderson is here. Uh, Tim Peace will be there. A um, number of our staff people out there just ask one of us. If you're online, want to talk, reach out to us, email us, uh, message us. Uh, let Arlen know as he's hosting the online uh, gathering. Let him know, and we will be able to talk to you about what's next steps when it comes to accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God bless. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.